everybody, and welcome to another episode of the iFreak Show. This week, I'm your panel, Charles Maxwood. Um, Alex may pop in a little later. He RSVP'd yes, but we haven't seen him, so probably just has something going on. Um, I'm here with Sujin. Sujin, do you want to introduce yourself and say hello? Yes, hi. Uh, I'm very thrilled to be here. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Um, my name is Sujin from South Korea. Um, I've been developing iOS apps since 2013. So, and my first app I developed, I, I released in December of, December of 2014. And I mm -hmm. sold it for a dollar per, per download. And it like soon became number one paid app in Korea. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was very exciting experience. So, so then I continued to pursue a career in programming. Uh -huh. And since then, I worked at uh, various companies. And most recently, I'm working at Webtoon. And it's an app that you can read comics or what we call Webtoon. The word is coined from web plus cartoon. Oh, and, nice. we, and, and we recently hit a huge milestone. We reached 10 million monthly users in, in the United States, and we're still growing. So it's very cool to see all these international users coming into our platform and but sadly it's uh, actually my last week at webtoon i'm moving to singapore next uh next month to uh, work at grab uh, which is the right hailing business in the southeast asia cool so yeah that's how uh that's where i'm going to be picking off next month that's amazing um yeah, I've been looking at Webtoon and I've just been kind of going, this this looks like a fun app and a fun yeah. website. So how old were you when you uh, published that first um, iOS app? Um, it's uh, My first app was uh, to, when I was 23. 23? Yeah. Good deal. It's, it's interesting, you know, different people come into it at different stages um, and it sounds like you were self-taught um, actually, I, I wasn't self-taught. I um, studied at this um, institution. So, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like a, like a boot camp. Gotcha. So, you studied at the institution. So, it's not like getting a CS degree. It's like, you know, uh, an intensive boot camp for three months, six months, one year, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Very my, cool. uh, my former, so I, my degree is in business administration. Uh -huh. Yeah. But I decided to dive into coding, and it, it, it turned out to be really exciting. Good deal. Yeah, and Alex has joined us as well. Alex, do you want to say hi? 
Uh, yeah. Hi, guys. Sorry, a bit late. No, it happens. Hi. Pesky life stuff. Um, know, right? Yeah. So uh, anyway, you gave a talk at TriSwift about ARKit and CoreML. Yep. Uh, do you want to just kind of give us the 10,000-foot view of what your talk was about? So uh, last year I made, I like a prototype or I made an app with ARKit uh -huh. that uh, detects your, your bill and then, and then you take a selfie and then your face is kind of like stylized into the bill. So it's like in, uh, your face is on the real world uh, bill if you, uh, if you look through the LED camera of your phone. So I made this app and, and it took a really long time because it was like, it was my first time exploring AR and all kinds of um, machine learning stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I even uh, gave up once. So I gave up for like two or three months into the project, but then I decided to like pick it up one more time. So during the process, I learned a lot. So I decided I wanted to share with people. So, so I applied to this, I applied to speak at uh, conferences and luckily I was able to um, speak at TriSwift and also in uh swift fest that was held in boston yeah very cool yeah it's it's funny because you used uh, machine learning and ar um i think the only major buzzword you missed was uh blockchain yeah right <laughs> where's the bitcoins <laughs> exactly maybe the bills are in bitcoins <laughs> but but yeah so so that's interesting how you kind of pulled those two together um i haven't done anything with either of them with core ml or ar kit um, Alex, have you had a chance to play with either of those? No, me neither. Uh, we at Wayfair, we have an AR feature where you could um, place furniture in, in a room. Uh -huh. But other than that, I mean, I'm not on that team, so I don't know what they do to me. It's all like black magic. <laughs> so how is it, um, it different sort of from working with uh, UIKit? Oh, yeah. Like what, what do you have to worry about the f fundamentals? I mean, it's a 3D space, first of all, I, right? Like what else? Yeah, exactly. Um, so at first I, um, I, studied, I studied a little bit of computer graphics because, you know, as you said, we have, I have to know some kind of uh, this 3D coordinate uh, space thing. Mm -hmm. So like... Uh, like uh, uh, it's called quaternions, quaternions or like a vectors. So that's how, that's like the position or the scale and orientation of like 3D objects in the world space. And the, and like the huge different th thing with uh, with the UI kit is that um is that in UI kit you place your components on the screen, but in AR kit you have to decide. Uh, whether to like that, like ARKit gives you, uh, it gives you plane detection or image detection or object tracking. So like, uh, you can, you can choose to, you can choose which coordinates you're going to be using. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So, so basically so you, 2D on the screen or 3D in virtual space. Yeah. So is, is the coordinates then kind of 
relative to the object that you're detecting. That's yeah. kind of like your anchor. Yes, yes. It's called. It's actually uh, called anchors. AR anchors. So, like, there are different kinds of anchors. Are like AR image anchor. So that's the that's the image that you want to track, and then uh, AR object anchor. I think it's object anchor. Then it's a three D objects that that you can scan, and then if an AR kit detects that object, that gives you uh, the the coordinate of the object, and also also a um, plane. Plane is a like vertical plane or horizontal plane. It's all possible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. so in terms of like coding it all up, how does it like normally when you um, make a UI kit? view right ui kit yeah. ui yeah it would be you like you initialize a view controller or something like that and then you populate a view hierarchy there right yeah how does it go with ar kit yeah so basically the uh, as you mentioned view hierarchy uh, it's a uh, to place objects uh, you can use either uh, sprite kit or 2d uh, 2d views or you can also use sync kit for 3D views. And also you can just use a more low level metal kit to show the to show like 3D uh, modeling. So in 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 sprite kit and sync kit there's nodes. Uh, nodes are uh, like it's just like a view. So you can uh, show various kinds of you can also have so the node is like a generic UI view. So you can like a, you can draw shapes or make make custom shapes and you can also even attach UI view to the node to to show the view on the on the 3D space and you can also have child's node that that moves around with the parent node so it's it's very similar to UI view. That's very hmm. interesting. So so like. If you really wanted to, you could like stick a button, like yeah. UI, UI kit button somewhere, and it's just gonna hover around an object, right? Yeah. In the three D right. space. That's right. Oh. But you thanks. can you can also like show table view. You can also attach the table UI table view on the on the node on one node and attach that node to like an anchor. Then you can see your table view like hovering at the same space in the in the world. I, so, I so, so much envision. can't see it anymore. Sorry. So with, if you put a button, you attach it to, I don't know, your desk or something, and then you move your phone, it'll remember that there's a button there. And when you go back, it'll still be there. Right. Yeah. But all, if you want to persist uh, the data across like app launches, you have to do some other, um, other like coding, but it's, it's possible. Mm-hmm. But in that I one so session, much. I can turn around and then turn back and it'll still be yeah. there. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I so Sorry, much Alex, can, can, can envision um, when Apple comes out with like um, goggles or something, right? For, for like <laughs> virtual reality, how we're going to have, you're going to have your virtual desk with, with like table, table views all over. Like, you know how people use multiple screens right now? when they like code or do some other work. Yeah, like yeah. Something like that, but in, in a virtual space. Yeah, so you wouldn't need like a monitor. You just put your yeah. goggles on and you have like all these kind of screens in front of you. Mm. Very interesting.
So, uh, how like is can can the users interact with it? Yeah. Can, so what uh, what's the, what, how does that technically happen? Like on on with UI kit again, I'm I'm just gonna kind of draw that parallel compare with it. Yeah. And you you in you have your UI views and you have either they already have a selector action type of thing like UI button does, mm-hmm. or you attach a, a what is it the gesture recognizer yeah and you make a ui view object uh user interactable or something like that mm-hmm. and then you know it can receive those user inputs yeah. how does that happen in ar kit yeah so uh in a plain ui kit you detect touches right ui touch touch events and you also have that mechanism in sync it so so i use sync it so i will use sync it as an example so it's called hit testing so if you hit the screen, it's like a similar to like shooting, shooting a, like a laser gun on uh, by the at the direction you're uh, you're touching. So the the system, the SyncKit system, d- detects that touch and shoots like a, la- uh, a ray, and then see which object, which 3G objects are uh, pass through that uh, touch uh, in the 3D space then it gives you like all the objects that you have hit and you can go from there to like, and each nodes, like each scene, each nodes have, you can uh, give uh, like identifiers to, to like later you can see which object this is. So it's, mm-hmm. that's also very similar to uh, UI kit. Oh, I so, see. So-, so you can activate more than one at once or choose yeah. which one to activate? Yeah. So if like uh, if there's multiple objects uh, on the on like on the screen that you can like al- al- you can align and then touch, like you can if if it's like a game, you can like destroy all the objects like just like you hit like a gun. Mm-hmm. Huh? Cool. Yeah. Is that a program? So you, when when you say you kind of you choose, you mean as a developer, right? On the programmatic level. Yeah. As you said, like it. Roughly speaking, I'm assuming gives you an array of objects exactly, selected yeah. or in the path of that that you described. Yeah. But yeah. then um, there is no prompt, so you you would have to, as the developer of your app, you have to, if you wanna want the user to select one of them, you have to yeah. have some sort of UI for that, right? Um. Yeah. Okay. So so it's not like something built-in uh, into the system. So I guess what I'm what I'm thinking what I'm thinking again the analogy when you in UIKit you use UI text field right mm-hmm. and when you type some text in it let's say you want to select only like certain characters or words yeah. to edit or remove then this sort of tapping on it and like highlighting mm-hmm. and selecting it that's already built in into the system uh, yeah. yeah so th- there's nothing like that for this thing no gotcha. Uh, that makes it tough. So you could have like, if your three D space, your your like your scene that you have for your user, right? You could have like ten, twenty objects, and if they walk far enough, and then select, they might just kind of select all of them, right? Yeah, because they're just yeah. too close because yeah, they're exactly. too far. That's right. I see. Yeah. So that's like uh yeah. that's the a biggest uh biggest difference in like user interaction. So if you want, if you are just interacting with UI kit app, you know, you can just, uh, 
sit still and do all the work. But for AR, it's really closely tied to the world space. We get to move mm-hmm. around. So you can't just like sit down and explore all, all the options or all the graphics. You have to actually move around. So that's, so that's part of the part of like interaction. Yeah, but I could see it where because it depends on what your what the object of your app is, right? So if yeah. it's a if it's a shooting game, right, you basically want it to destroy a reasonable number of things in the trajectory of the bullet, right? But yeah. let's say that I'm doing like some home based remote control thing, right? Um, before my dad passed away, he, he had some mobility issues, right? And so it would have been nice mm-hmm. if he could have held his phone up, you know, and pointed it at the TV and tapped. And so what I see is that if, let's say, he pointed it at um, the light switch and the lamp was between him and the light switch, it could pick up the lamp and the light as the target. And then it could ask him, um, you, you know, you selected two targets and show you two interfaces for turning them both on or off instead of just mm-hmm. turning the light on or turning the light off, right? Yeah. And so depending on what your target is, you want that programmatic control. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. And then, you know, if you're getting into the weeds on something else, then, then it's a different thing. Yeah. I, I also think uh, what's possible is that we have the, cam- the orientation of the camera so like, if you're facing like, multiple objects, they're really close together. And, we, and the programmer knows where the, uh, where the user is looking at and, and which one is like, close to the center. You can also highlight, like uh, add some highlights to the objects. So if you tap here, then if you tap now, like this object will be selected. Like, so this like a, this, a, a little add to the UI. Right. Or you just be lazy and like select the closest one. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's probably yeah. what most devs will do. <laughs> mm. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, so how do you wind up integrating this into your app? Do you just uh, include it like any other uh, framework or is, is there more to it than that? Uh, uh, the AR kit? Yeah. AR kit. Yeah, so you just yeah, there, <clears throat> there's really nothing nothing uh, about um, importing. So you just import ARKit and that's it. Yeah, and is there a view or view controller to initialize that holds the kind of like a canvas or whatever they call it? Yes, yes, it's called AR Scene View, AR SCN View. So that's when you use when you use SceneKit, you can use that, and so. So that view is like a bridge between ARKit and ScenView, like ScenKit view. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that the one that where you could also inject those UI views as well? Yes. How would you go about that, sort of technically, code-wise? Um, okay, hold on. I'm just curious. I want to have, after this call, I'll have my hovering table views somewhere with some <laughs> stuff. A groceries list. I don't know. <laughs> He's going to point it out his window and it's going to be good dog, bad dog, good dog, good dog, bad dog. Right? <laughs> I have, um, uh, it'll I, be floating I, above their heads. I just moved to a new place. I have like this sticky notes on what to do uh, on my 
in my kitchen. So I'm thinking maybe like I have AR thing instead. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. That, that would be really convenient, not on my phone, but on my iPad. If, yeah, I could essentially just select a, a canvas, you know, be it like uh, if I turn my monitor off on my computer or the whiteboard in my office. And then, yeah, instead of, um, yeah, instead of getting up and writing it up there, have it actually show off the, um, you know, oh, this is where all your sticky notes are and I can zoom in and zoom out and move them around. Right, and but and it's that wall is reusable now, right? Anyone yeah. else can have their own stuff yeah. on it as well. So there's not going to be like this, do not erase an office that people usually have. <laughs> I love that. Of course, my kids will come in and never mind. They can have their own, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so basically like placing your stuff uh, is, just, is a two-step process. So first you have to pick where you want to uh, place. So that's the, actually like where is really tricky part. So because, you know, um, because AR system needs to analyze your, uh, your place and then it detects um, planes, like, uh, uh, like planes. But, and then, but as you mentioned, if you want to like put sticky notes on the wall, uh, the AR needs to detect the wall. And uh, if you want to, um, like persist the notes through 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 uh, mm -hmm. between sessions. Like if you want to place the notes in the exact place every time, there has to be some anchors, some some anchor points that ARKit can reference. So like the best option right now is to use an image, like a special image. Ah. If you place it, if you like put it on the wall, then then ARKit detects images really well, like like really instantly, and then it. If even if you move around, it uh, the tracking quality is really good. So you can start from there. Like you place your special image there, and then that will be your anchor point, your like uh, like a origin, world origin. Mm -hmm. And then and then if you pick uh, pick the coordinate, you just uh, place uh, the node, the SCN node. And uh, there's a there's a um, root node. Root node is like a like a UI window, so it's like a basically it's the, the beginning place. Mm -hmm. And you put your node relative to the root node. So you pick like a, if you want to like a, place it to the right of the origin node, then you um, you like add the x coordinate, like stuff like that. And then and then from SCN node that you can. Uh, uh, pick, uh, pick, you can, so like you fill the material in the SCN node. It's called like SCN material. And to the contents of the material that you just put your UI. So the SCN material 
takes in like any type or any type. And if you just put your UI view subclass in it, then it will just show the UI view. You, it'll just render mm -hmm. the UI view onto the onto the uh -huh. onto the world. Yeah. Interesting. So does that mean that's sort of a, a guess of mine? Like you said, it's great at recognizing images for that anchoring point. Does it mean that for like quote unquote hundred percent accuracy, it's better to be like a, a QR code or something like that? So that's like for sure recognized, or it could be like like a an X with a mark made with a marker, right? And it will be fine. Um, actually, like uh, you 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 really have to um, try try to see if it works well. So like in Xcode, you put your image image file onto the into the XC asset, and then it will roughly tell you like if it's good for detection or or if not like it show it tells you it has it's the its pattern is too simple to recognize. So there has to be some complexity mm -hmm. to the image. One one thing that I'm wondering about though is let's say that I, um, you know, I get a a small picture of my favorite car, right? And I'm just like, you know what? This is my dream car. It's a Mustang, but I got a really small one so that I can anchor stuff off of it, right? And then going to Alex's idea, I have the sticky notes. Let's say that I go on a trip and I take that photograph with me. Yeah. Can I then pull the sticky notes out and actually lay them yeah. out on the desk in front of me the same yeah. way I have them up on my whiteboard as long as that's the same anchor? That's right, yeah. Oh, nice. Huh. So, like, so like, uh, this one project that I saw online that he made an AR name card. So, you, if you you put a special image on the back of your name card, then if anyone like uh, pulls out your name card and point it with your app, then all like other information and what you want to show it, <laughs> it pops up. So it's like a three D name card. Nice. So as long so, as you have that image, yeah. So if I go to a conference, cause I've always wanted to build an, an app for uh, devchat.tv, right? So if I go to a conference, an Easter egg could be, you know, scan my badge. And then, you know, it's like it, you know, it gives a full readout of whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Likes long walks on the beach, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's hundred percent possible. That's nice. Huh? That is so really like, cool. Yeah. So like with all other, with all the other options, I, I personally thought the image tracking was really cool. So like, like the first time I saw like image tracking working is this, um, this guy on Twitter, he posted like his prototype. So it's like, a, it's just like a Harry Potter newspaper. So a newspaper, you detect the image and then you play a video on top of it. So it's really just like a moving newspaper. So like, that's how I also got my idea. So I wanted to use image tracking. So I wanted to track image and then do something with it because if you if you try like it like the rate it follows the the image is really incredible. So like it's almost no delay. Like it just follows the image. Like mm -hmm. yeah. So so I I really think image tracking is really um really cool and it's like mind blowing. I think when it catches on we're gonna see so many memes. <laughs> like like you, 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 you point your, your phone over an image, but then it starts to like yeah. jump and, and, and do the animation or whatnot. Yeah. I, I want to see, see like 
Disney or something do it with with all of their characters. Yeah, and also there's like a there's also like there's like a wine bottle. Um, if you point it uh, with your app, then it detects the wine uh, label, the 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 label, and then from that on, like there's like a zombie popping. Oh, it's like yeah, it's like a Walking Dead wine. I thought it was a walk. Yeah, just like that. It was like Walking Dead wine, and from the wine, like you have like three D animation, like a zombie comes out and it attacks you. And if you have two wines, then each zombies like they fight each other. They like it's all possible. Yeah, another one that I'm thinking of is so a lot of the houses in my neighborhood look somewhat similar, but I'm betting they're different enough to where you know most of the congregation I go to church with, we all live within the same like three blocks. But I can't always remember where everybody lives. And so I could see an app <laughs> like this where I point my phone at their house and then it has one, um, uh, you know, regular UI kit that shows me like the, the, the name of the family that lives there and like the phone numbers of the parents or something. And then like whatever pictures the church has, you know, shows yeah. up next to it. So it's like these people that you have seen at church on Sunday, right? <laughs> but, but but just something like that. I mean, the possibilities are just, it, it really kind of blows my mind, right? Yeah. Or I, I also wonder if you could point it at the fridge and, you know, you said you were using CoreML, but use CoreML or something to recognize the stuff in my fridge and then have it be smart enough to come up and float a, a, a recipe up in the right-hand corner that's you have everything you need to make this. Yeah. I don't know. It just so, so before we kind of jump into core ML stuff, I, I want to ask one more thing. Um, so in that scenario of sticky notes, right, that we kind of talked through. <clears throat> so let's say we got the anchor point, we're displaying them. How would uh, the user interact with sticky notes to, let's say, move them around or actually enter data? like type stuff in, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's all possible. Um, so I, I really, I haven't, I didn't code that interaction myself, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, uh, there's a really good sample app made by Apple. Apple provides the, the app that you can place and then you can move around and you can also, there's all, there's even a sticky note <laughs> in that app. So you can take a look at the Apple sample app and I will, I'm sure there's, there's everything that you said there. Okay. So, like sort of my assumption would be, and correct me if I'm wrong, and if you know, um, probably they detect. So, so, so what I think is easy, like detecting the touch and then maybe it like initialize a new UI view actually, like a UI text field or whatnot. And then... At that point, I, I guess first responder control goes to the UI text field, normal keyboard shows up, you just type yeah. it in, and then you, let's say, you hit enter. And then you need to somehow get that element, UI element with the content back into the uh, scene. And yeah. then, but then even that's probably relatively easy. How do you? How does the user move it around? Meaning, depth-wise, right? Like moving it up or down. That's that's the two D coordinates. How do you move it farther or closer from you? Yeah, 
I think that can be done in two ways. Like, if so, if you want to, I I think I've seen two types of uh interact uh, two types of uh interactions across apps. So for one, you actually have to move back. So like your object is floating like fifty centimeters fr uh from the screen. So if you want to place that over there, you have to go there and just like tap, then it will stay there. Well, also you can just like pinch. So if it, if you pinch, uh, zoom in, zoom out, then like it, it will like detect, it will make it smaller and, and place your object over there or here. So you and can use gestures on objects? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Actually it kind of makes sense, yeah. I can see that. So when it's initialized, it basically has coordinates already. Yeah. And if you're, if it's like placed there, right, like static, then as you walk away from it, it just sits there, right? Yeah. But then, but then, as you said, if you're like, hmm, probably there's a term for that, right? You kind of hook it to your camera. Does that make sense to your user, yeah. quote-unquote, camera, and then you walk with it and then unhook, then yeah. it stays there. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Kind okay, of like that, putting it in your pocket and walking to the other side of the yeah, room. Yeah, right. It's, out. A, it's like a video game. <laughs> okay, that, that there makes you go. sense. Your, your bag of holding. <laughs> that, that makes sense because it's uh, kind of, how else would you do that interaction I guess if you have like VR goggles or whatnot, maybe then, like you can't use your hands, right? If that makes sense, like still yeah, going yeah. to the to the phone. Yeah. Yeah, but usually the VR goggles have some form of a button or right. You know, Google Cardboard has buttons on it, so you you have options there. So now I wonder though that sticky notes idea, how practical that is though. It's probably such a pain. To like create those sticking outs, it's not going to be as fast as like you know, pen and paper. Yeah, yeah, but but you can I, have I could it with see you. it get getting to the point where, you know, we we kind of remove some of that friction, so to speak, and get there because uh, Hololens has a gesture that you do in front of the camera, and you like pinch your fingers together to essentially to click or to touch or to tap, and so. I could see that too, where instead of the AR being a gesture that you do on your screen, you do a gesture in front of your camera and it interprets that as a command, right? So then you could essentially, instead of touching your screen and dragging it on the screen off to wherever you want it, instead what you do is you reach up and you grab it virtually and then move it. I, I don't know how involved any of this is, but... <laughs> Sounds like one of those movies. With yeah, a, but I can only imagine they're going to make it easier too. So, so I, I actually think like AR on your smartphone is really not practical. So like no. smartphone form factor is like the worst because you have to hold it up. So your one of your hand is like stuck mm -hmm. and, and just you have to see through this small screen. So I think in order to to make like really practical AR apps, there has to be like a glass, form of glass or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but our phones are getting so much more powerful that I don't think it's gonna be too terribly long before, yeah, you have some kind of peripheral that just 
um, delegates all of its compute to the phone. I hope so. So how does the uh, machine learning play play into all of this? Like, it is is it only for face recognition? Doesn't there anything else? Um, actually, so like actually, uh, I wanted to make AR kit apps. So I I at at beginning I thought AR kit would be like the main like the main domain, but as I as I um I develop as I started developing my project. Really, like there, there isn't really much you can do with ARKit alone. So the, all it all gives you is just like it's just coordinate. It detects uh, your surroundings, it detects images, and gives you just like a like a limited co- coordinate. And so, like all all other like custom actions that you want to do with the ARKit app, like uh, and uh, like like Charles said, he wanted to like detect his house, uh, detect the houses. The neighbor, so ARKit cannot gives you that detection, right? So if you like take, if you see a house, you want to know who, like which uh, which members of your congregation live. So then you will have to make a custom ML model for you, by yourself. So so basically, like uh, all all your cool ideas, then you have to decide which part will be ARKit. And which part will be machine learning? So, the main reason I uh, I had I like gave up for a couple of months was because I had to make this custom machine learning stuff. So for my app, like it was, uh, it was it was like uh, it was taking a selfie and then stylizing, like putting filters on to match the bill. So so that that was a custom model. And I actually luckily found my friend who can do that. So he used Core ML to <clears throat> to make that filter. So yeah, so it's like half AR kit, half half Core ML. Does that mean that for recognizing that anchor point that we talked about, you would also use machine learning, or is is that specifically baked into the AR kit? Yeah, what we talked about until now is all baked into ARKit. Uh huh. So, so that custom image that you said you drop into assets, right? Yeah. That, that would be recognized as an anchoring point. That's ARKit part. Yeah, that's built in. Got it. Okay. But like, there's there's another cool AR app. It's called WannaKit. So it you can it lets you put on sneakers on your foot with AR. So if you want to do that, you have to anchor your foot, right? But ARKit yeah. doesn't provide that feature. So the company must have like made its own machine learning to detect your feet and then put like sneakers on. So so it looks it's so it's an AR app, but it doesn't use ARKit. So you know what I'm saying. So AR is also like part is a part of machine learning. So it's all the boundaries. Is I see. I see. Huh. That's very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Can you imagine the person who had to get pictures of that many feet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or video, or however they did it. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Are you freelancing or moonlighting? Or maybe you've thought about going out on your own. 
Every week, we have a group of developers at various stages of the freelancing journey on The Freelancer Show to talk about becoming better at freelancing. We also bring in experts to talk about marketing, SEO, and delivering high quality to clients. So if you're interested in going freelance or you are freelance, check it out at freelancershow.com. So I know that you have to train your, what do you call them? Algorithm yeah, your models. AI models. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to call them AI because they're, <laughs> I know it's a, what people call them, but it's not really. It's just a fancy yeah. algorithm. Yeah, it's a fancy um, algorithm. Yes and no. It, it doesn't it's, think, it's weird, right? right? Because no, but it's still kind of a black box, even if you know how the algorithm works, right? Mm -hmm. Because you essentially show it a whole bunch of stuff until it starts getting the right answer more often than not. And that, and it's, it's essentially a set of weighted values across, you know, sometimes hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of nodes, um, which is why they consider it like a neural network is because you essentially have all of these different things that are weighting um, the inputs. But yeah, I, I <laughs> anyway. Guess I, I guess I'm picky. Let, let, let's not go there. That's a more of a philosophical question, but I'm more picky on the word intelligence than other people are. That's fair. Right. That, that's a definitional philosophical thing, yes. Um, so, yeah, but anyhow, so you, you got to train them with data sets. That's what I know, right? Yeah. How I know there is, um, what's that Google thing? Um, TensorFlow? Yes, thank you. Uh, they have that. It's all in the cloud. So lots of computational power for that. Uh, you well, feed it data, right? And then, then it crunches it and trains that thing gazillion times over. And then you get the final, well, again, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, roughly speaking, you get a final binary file that yeah. would be your, again, how do I call it? Like your, your ML thingy? Your, yeah, your model, yeah. Model, okay, model. And then that's what you're actually as you, at runtime of your application, that's the quote unquote binary that you're using to get the, put the input in and then you get the answer out. Yeah, yeah. So with iOS, like Apple doesn't have TensorFlow with that whole system yeah. to like train. How do you do that then? Oh, okay. So there's, there's a couple of ways. So for, for Apple, the file format, the binary that you said, format is called, is uh, the is ML model. So the file is your name dot ML model. So to create that uh, file format, you can uh, there there's like a, there's three ways. So first way is using a TensorFlow or PyTorch. I think they have this conversion tool. So the result you get from TensorFlow, you have to convert it to ML model, and mm -hmm. that's one way. And there's another way. Uh, the one I used. And the one I presented is called Turi Create. So Turi Create is an open source uh, Python library that you can can um, you can train your models. And it's actually it was an actually it was Apple like uh, bought it, bought the company, and they open sourced it, and they're making it now. So like different one different thing, or one good thing about Turi Create is that um, you can pick out of uh, out of the several models they provide. So for TensorFlow, you have to build your model from the ground up, but for Turi Create, you can just pick what you want to do. So some categories are like st 
uh, style transfer or clustering or image detection or text analysis. So it's all like the most common common uh, types of models are like predefined. They are predefined. And also you can use uh, create ML. I didn't use that, but create ML is, um, it actually has a Mac app. Is that what the one Apple created? So it's a more of a, like a GUI tool for creating uh, models. But that's which is like which has the least um, accuracy of all of all uh, tools because you know it's it's really just for like really simple stuff. So you really can't create complicated models using Create ML. But it's a it's a good place to start and like see what you can do with your data sets mm-hmm. and and lastly so if you just import ml model into your xcode project then it just create it automatically creates one switch switch file that uh just has all the methods that with the with the inputs defined and then out inputs and outputs defined so it's it's really just like just like calling a method uh-huh. yeah okay that, yeah, that, that's I also wanted to know that. So, so you have that file, probably some class I would assume that's declared there. You kind of instantiate it or something, and then, yeah. as you said, call methods on it. Is the input usually normally um, UI images or NS data? And I also wonder what's the output format. Yeah, for image, uh, they use CV pixel buffer. Uh huh. So that's, I think that's part of core image. So for image, they use that. And for like, if you want to give numbers, I think it's just like int. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. What if I want to train some num uh, collection of numbers to recognize a pattern? That's probably hella complex, right? Something like that. So let's say, let's say I have a, I'm a stock trading app, right? And I have a graph of da- uh, an array of data or, or whatnot, right? That would be, would be plotted on a graph yeah. normally. But now yeah. I want to analyze and see, oh, is there a pattern that I could recognize on that graph? Right. At yeah. least like even at just the simplest tr- a trend. Is it yeah. going overlap or down, yeah. right? Yeah. How would I go about doing that with core ML? Like what's my data input there? Well, I'm I I really I have I don't have like real expertise in ML, uh-huh. but uh-huh. I guess it, I guess the input will be like an array of numbers. Mm-hmm. Or like a or or even like you know um, array of numbers with columns and rows, even uh-huh. that's possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would imagine is you give it a timeline and then you what you do is you start checking it to see if it can predict what happens next with yeah. a certain amount of certainty. Yeah. And then you refine it that way. So there are there are algorithms that actually involve feedback, right? So it it you you train it a certain amount and then you give it a different timeline or a different section of the timeline, right? And then um you give it feedback, you know, it's like, okay, well, here was what this day looked like. What do you expect the next day to look like? Okay, you were right or you were wrong. You were this percent close or whatever. And then, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking more of a 
graph shapes recognition mm-hmm. does that make sense rather than i don't care what happens next i just want to know by looking at this set of data and at this graph is that well cup with a handle right that's like uh-huh. one thing in stock trading that they do oh, it's like okay. a common pattern it oh. looks like a, like a cup with a little mm-hmm. handle mm-hmm. i what i wonder is how to train a model to recognize those because i'm so sick of doing it myself on <laughs> <laughs> a graph like with pen and paper, like literally. <laughs> and I know that there are uh, tools out there that do that. I just don't know exactly. Like, do they have an explicit algorithm that's like EFLSIN, roughly speaking, right? Like, given this subset of data, it loops through each one of the things. And, you know, if it recognizes it, it recognizes it. Or do they have such a model, right, where you train it with, with, with data inputs and then the, the expected outputs and eventually it can tell you. So, so I think that one of the biggest challenges in making model is like picking which, uh, which like neural network to use. So that's, so I think like all the ML engineers, they, they study on that. So for like, there are, there are roughly like tens of like hundreds, tens of hundreds of types of neural networks that you can use. You can also like layer it. So there's like infinite amount of possibilities that you can you can combine into your neural network. I think so, but I think like uh, the pattern recognition, just like you said, from numbers, from timeline, I think is I think those that uh, field is pretty um, very uh, studied on. So I think there, if you like, if on, I think there will be a lot of uh, information online, and I think like for that. Uh, job, I don't think there it needs like really complex algorithm, just um, simple like number pattern like rec- recognition stuff like that. Yeah. So train that you you would need like your graph and then the label. You what label like what you what you will call, and it will. I will, I think like machine learning will pick up from there. Yeah, we actually started a machine learning show last year, but. Uh... And we've got like four or five episodes recorded. We just haven't launched it yet. So um, I'm, I'm waiting for a few things to kind of stabilize and then we're going to kick it off again. Oh. oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And as a, as a mobile developer, like stance, I think to recreate is a really good option. It just like uh, gives you right amount of uh, complexity, a right amount of like customization. So you don't have to know like a, a lot of machine learning or you don't even have to be able to write, like use TensorFlow. You can just, you know, just follow some tutorials. And if you have, if you prepare your data sets uh, well, then it gives you what you need. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I have homework to do now. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, how much fun could this be? I'm like, yeah, I'll it's have really my- fun. I have my sticky notes with my stock analyzing graphs in them or something. <laughs> I don't know. And then oh, wherever I travel, I'll have my little anchor points. I'll always have my graphs with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I want to do is I want to be like when my daughter woke up from her nap, she came in here and I had to keep muting because she wanted to sing while we were doing the podcast. And, um, yeah. So what I want to do is when she comes in next time, I want to basically hand her my phone and say, all right, 
the ducky is hidden in the house somewhere. Go find it. Oh my <laughs> God. Yes. She would be oh gone for God. like, make it progressively harder to find. So the first few times she's like, she knows what she's looking for. She'd be gone for hours. <laughs> Wandering around the house with my dang sign. Wow. Okay. Uh, She'd Chuck, wake up, come running in. Daddy, can I find the ducky? Chuck, I think that that's it. You you got your billion dollar idea. <laughs> you, you just you sell it to all the parents. Like especially, you know, people who live in like big houses, right? Oh it, yeah. It's just that's it. You you don't need Netflix for your kids or whatnot. None of the, no no no. Just do that. <laughs> Well, wow. you could even shade the screen, right, for hotter or colder. So when she's getting colder, it turns blue. Oh my God, you're you're on the roll! <laughs> wow, I would play that actually. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, well, that what, what's what's the name of that app that got everyone the, the Pokemon thing, Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like that, but then limited in your house only and yeah mm. yeah homework gotta, gotta code <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> all right well uh let's go ahead and do some picks this has been super fun uh alex do you have some picks for us i do but i need to pull it so i'll, I'll go right after you okay so um i've one of the things that I do to relax is just listen to books, audiobooks on Audible. So uh, my brother gave me a whole bunch of books to listen to. And, and by that, I mean, he gave me a list and I've been spending my Audible credits on them. Um, one of them is uh, by Patrick Rothfuss. It's called The Name of the Wind. Um, I'm not very far into it, but I am really enjoying it. Um, I also have to point out that it took me about three tries to get past the first three chapters. So it has kind of a crappy start, if I'm being perfectly honest. But once they really get into the story, it's, it's awesome. And, um, you know, just the, what, the problem I had with the beginning was mostly that it was a lot of setup for this chronicler to meet up with the protagonist to start taking down his story. And it's like, it's like okay, so there was all this setup for for no payoff. So I'm going to pick that. And then the other pick I have is I have been um, working on finding sponsors. And I know that we have a few, a few freelancers that listen to the shows. And so I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, one of the things that I have been using lately is LinkedIn to do a lot of the prospecting. Anyway, I've really been enjoying um, using LinkedIn because a lot of people are willing to, to, to connect. So um, anyway, I've been playing with LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and it's a terrific tool if you're out looking for leads. So I'm going to pick that. And I have a few more. We did a podcast episode on Freelancer Show, and like the last 20 minutes was just getting a bunch of tips on how to do uh, prospecting and follow-up, and it's been awesome. So there you go. LinkedIn, it's, it's fantastic, not only for yeah. that. I've been using it for years at first for job search like it's just been my main way to market myself as a developer and now these days it's even sells my book it, it, it's it's amazing yeah. it's yeah it's it's a very focused narrow professional network 
right? Like unlike yeah. Twitter, where it's like everything there. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. So my pick is a book called All About Dividend Investing by Don Schreiberg. Schreiberg. Okay, I cannot pronounce his name. And and Gary Stroy. So that's kind of I guess to the since we meant we talked about stocks and charts and stuff like that. It's a fantastic book, kind of a introduction to if you're if you want to get into investing and specifically dividend stocks for like passive income that's a great overview that will explain you why you would want to do it and also kind of walk you through fundamental analysis like how to read a financial statement of a company and what you would want to look at if you're hunting for a good um, dividend paying company so that's my pick. Awesome. Sujin, what are your picks? Recently, it's been, it's been Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What been are you watching? Out of Netflix. Right now, I'm watching The Homeland. Homeland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got into what, Homeland what for a season or two. I don't, I don't have Netflix, guys. I, I, I know. Baby Yoda, is that? Do they have that? Oh, no. That's, that's Disney. Disney Plus. Okay. <laughs> which is also terrific. Um, I should throw in another one. If you've watched uh, Star Trek Picard, they put out an episode of that. That was awesome. Noted. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming. This has been a lot of fun. Me too. All it's right. my well, first, like, first uh, podcast. Awesome. I love nice. hearing that too. Get more people on the dang podcasts. Um, <laughs> if people want to find you online, like if they want to connect or you're moving to Singapore and they're thinking, you know, it'd be cool to connect. Um, yeah. How do they get a hold of you? Um, I have Facebook and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So either, either one is good. I also have Twitter account, but uh, I don't use that much. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thanks again for coming. Um, we'll have another episode next week. And in the meantime, Max out, everybody. Hi. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.